As we traverse through Massachusetts, we cannot help but stop to talk about another triangle, the Bridgewater Triangle. This piece of land located just outside of Boston has become known as a place where the veil between us and them is weaker and sightings of Bigfoot, Native American ghosts, orbs, UFOs, and unmarked black helicopters sail through the sky. What mysteries await us in this land of high strangeness? Hello, everybody. Welcome back to a new episode of the Chaos and Shadow podcast. My name is Kyle, and I'm joined here by my co-host, Pagan. How are you doing this week? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I am doing very well. We have so many new projects to unveil to all of our <laughs> so listeners many. out there. It's really, really going to be crazy. So I figure we'll tease a couple at the top again, and, and we'll go okay. into detail towards the end of this. But um First of all, huge shout out. Red God Games became a founder over on Patreon, which is absolutely amazing. So huge shout out to you, Red. Thank you for for believing in the show, keeping it going and backing us, allowing us to uh, do more and grow this, uh, which I think segues wonderfully into the next part that is to give you guys more paranormal stuff. We've been wondering what to do with the Twitch account. Well, we are turning that into a Monday through Friday talk show. So if you're interested, that is going to be noon Eastern to 3 p.m. Eastern, uh, Monday through Friday. And each day is going to have a different focus to it. Mondays, I have our great friend Brian from GhostQuest.net coming on. He's going to be hanging out with me. We're just going to be talking about all kinds of random paranormal news that's cropped up over the weekend in the past week. So that's going to be a pretty free-form day. Uh, as we make our way further into the week, though, we're going to be doing uh, some viewings. Like we watched Hellier yesterday, part uh, episode one in chat. That was very fun. Pagan and I gave commentary. It was a great time. Uh, Thursdays, we're moving this podcast earlier. So again, those times I listed before noon Eastern time, the stream kicks off. 1 p.m. Eastern time is the actual new record start. So 1 p.m. Eastern time is the is the time to make it in the chat if you want to be part of these. They will continue to go up on the feeds on Mondays. Uh, Fridays, again, same time, uh, that noon Eastern start, 1 p.m., really big kickoff. We're going to be doing more workshops here. Last week, we did a sigil workshop and by the time this episode is recorded for the Spotify iTunes feed, we will have already done a workshop on candle magic on uh, mm-hmm. what will be October 9th. So very, very cool stuff. Pagan, do you kind of want to talk about your excitement with all these different little endeavors we've picked up? Oh, my goodness. There's so many to choose from. We are still doing the Tarot Tuesdays. You guys will get to see those on Patreon and on the Chaos and Shadow blog over at chaosandshadow.com. And we have also started We started it last month, but we're working on it, or I should say I'm working on it, um, which is the Ritualist Letters for our Ritualist here on Patreon. There are so many great things that are included with it. We've got divination, we've got spell work, we've got uh, recipes, we've got kind of DIY stuff, all sorts of great stuff that you are going to get included in that. And I'm not going to tease too much more because <laughs> if you want to know, go subscribe to that tier and you can read all about it and get to watch the videos to go with it as well. Yes, I don't think we had talked about this because I don't think it was out yet, but I have been harping on this on Twitch. 
We have a recap uh, article up on the website, chaosandshadow.com. It is the weekly recap. I believe it was for October 4th is the date. <clears throat> Pardon me. And it has everything. Like, we we churned out so much content last week that, like, it could fill up your entire weekend catching up on it. We, from, from Tarot Tuesday to actual podcast episodes to an interview with Katie Webb to the, the Ritualist Letter to blah, 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 blah. There was so much more. Pagan did her own um, Hoyabachu. Or was it Hoyabachu, right? Uh, was this yeah, article the you did on Hoyabachu, Saturday? the uh, article came out last Saturday. So, so that, that is also on Patreon as well. <laughs> yeah, there is a ton. So look out for these weekly recaps that I'm going to try and do because we need it. And Brian and I are kind of going to poke around and, you know, poke out at pieces of that that we want here and there on Mondays. So look forward to it. And if you guys want to tune in while you're at work, swing by the stream. Nice and easy. Remember, Monday through Friday, noon Eastern time. That is 9 a.m. Pacific. So if you're on the West Coast, it is morning. And if you're overseas, that's the nice part. If you're in Europe, it should be a, a fairly manageable time for you. Mm-hmm. So very, very exciting. Go check that out. Um, and we'd, we'd love to have you. But without further ado, we are going to dive into a very, very weird topic today. And I say weird because we are, again, touching on another triangle. If you heard our two-parter on the Bennington Triangle of Vermont... Well, we're going to try to keep this a one-parter of the Bridgewater Triangle in Massachusetts. And the way we're going to do that is we are going to talk about high strangeness as a whole and what that means. We're going to talk about window zones, as John Keel would call them. We're going to focus a little bit less on the strange cases themselves for this triangle, but we're going to give them to you. Don't worry. We're going to give you a lot of fun, weird stories, but a lot of them aren't a a mile deep. And for those that are, we actually want to touch on them in the future. So Mm -hmm. shall I take it away, Pagan? Shall I start giving them some background? You should take it away. Okay, here we go, chat. So the basics on the triangle. The name first came around from cryptozoologist and paranormal researcher Lauren Coleman, uh, who was actually studying the area and noticed this culmination of events. And this took place, this naming took place in 1970 and continued to grow in popularity from there. The towns that make up this triangle include... Uh, by the way, I'm so sorry for Massachusetts people because I'm going to butcher one of these. But Rehoboth, Abington, and Freetown with Bridgewater right in the center. Other towns included in the Vortex uh, might be Rainham, Brockton, Norton, and Taunton. I've also heard of other areas outside of the Triangle also having these strange effects. So it's not just limited, but you're going to notice a hyper-focus. So aside from the number and diversity of these paranormal accounts, uh, the phenomena in the triangle that was first reported having this big paranormal activity was back in 1760. And since then, the area has spawned a diversity of reports, including paranormal, UFOs, and cryptid sightings. We have a lot, Pagan. This area is crazy. There's so much in this area, so much in this area. And the the interesting thing is when we were doing the research for it, I'm just like, there's little like teeny tendrils of cases that, like you said, they don't go a mile deep. And it's just kind of one shot here, one shot there, one shot there. But 
it's kind of like the Bennington Triangle. I'm not 100% that if you didn't include them all together, if they would have a whole lot of paranormal depth. But when you put them all together, they kind of come together and make this stew of paranormal-esque interesting. So you've got a lot that makes up this case. And there's so many different things that we're going to touch on. And we're not going to be able to get it all to you today. But they will be in the vault notes. So if you guys want to read about it, you can check out the vault notes um, when they come out later this week. But yeah, there is a lot to this case. A lot. So I'm I'm just going to do a very light sprinkling of, of different things so people can get an idea here. And I'm not going to go in any specific order when I do this, Pagan. I'm just going to throw out a couple okay. of different ones as I pull from both our notes and on the uh, the nice Bridgewater Triangle map. Just to give people, before we just define what high strangeness is, let's give people a sampling of this. So okay. we're going to have this map in the show notes. You guys can follow along if you're listening at home. But Stonehill College, people report hearing a little girl crying and laughing, uh, footsteps in the gym. We've got a redheaded hiker on one side of the triangle. Traveler C, the man with long red hair, a full red beard walking down Route 44. Hoborn School, a visitor reported seeing a spectral teacher and in, in students in 1989. Visitors also report hearing children laughing. Uh, we've got more activity on roads. We've got some hospital activity. We have a report of a Bigfoot-like seven-foot-tall monster being reported in 1970. We have UFO reports, including black triangles. We have lights raising up like spheres of fire. Uh, And that, again, is just a very brief overview. Let me not forget the Native American spirits that are there, because Mm -hmm. I can think of at least two that we could go into more detail about. One being Profile Rock, where there's uh, apparently some Native American warriors dancing around the outside of that, around that. And again, at Anawan Rock, where Chief Anawan allegedly surrendered to the colonists. And there's more ghost dancing in that region. Mm -hmm. Whew! So (laughs) that's also leaving out accounts that we don't even have tons of details on of a black dog, a Mansfield mystery cat. I saw a jaguar. I saw we have a little bit of information on a thunderbird or a very large bird being reported. Like these stories could probably each in a way be their own podcast. But in the sake of time and, I guess, explaining it, I hope that starts to open people's minds as to what is a what is high strangeness? When we talk about high strangeness, what does that mean? And it is a culmination of vastly different concepts. There's so many different cases that, you know, like you're saying, we just cannot touch on all of them. And the high strangeness of all of this area and. You know, I would say that I, I'm going to probably guesstimate here because I've never been to Massachusetts. But the area doesn't seem like it's huge. It seems like it's very small in comparison to the rest of the state. And there's a lot that happens. There's a lot that happens in the whole of Massachusetts. And this is just one little teeny tiny corner of the state that this is happening in. So... So much energy, so many fluctuations, so many different cases and sightings and things. We, it's just mind-blowing. It's completely mind-blowing. 
It really is. And now now that I got a lot of that crazy reading out of the way, I feel like I can take that sigh and, and, and ease in and say, you're you're so right. It is. It feels like it's an energy thing. Um, this episode, I think, was really needed because you and I, how many times have we talked about like around what high strangeness is? And we've given like one word mm-hmm. answers or one sentence answer, I should say. But like if you guys you guys want an example, this is it. This is it. Skinwalker Ranch is it. You will find these areas uh, where so many different things clash together. Now, one thing that we didn't mention in this is the idea, the ever-running idea that Faye could be involved. Because Faye activity looks a heck of a lot like UFO activity. From abductions to strange lights in the woods, they are identical slash maybe the same phenomena we don't know but that Mm -hmm. is one of the things that studying high strangeness gets at is trying to cross you know we got a a bunch of siloed researchers that are focused exclusively on ufos and they dismiss outright anything to do with demons fairies anything like that and then on the flip side we have people saying oh yeah totally the real you know the old gods are totally real but no there's no way there's other life coming to earth you know right you know (laughs) it's like i mean we all do mental gymnastics all day long we all justify crazy stuff but it is kind of funny that we don't look across the things especially when the symptoms are so on the nose so to give a little bit more background so we're not just completely freewheeling it and rambling your ears off today i'm going to be looking at john keel a personal kind of paranormal hero of mine i guess Johnny Keel. I think he's a hero of anybody that's in the paranormal, or should be. At should least. be. At least should be considered as a hero. Yeah, I. That's what I would say. If you if you're not already doing some Keel research, you you definitely need to. So if you're totally outside to Keel and you've never heard him, why why should I? Well, he is the one who wrote the Mothman prophecies. the The book is different than the film. Having having read the book, specifically listened to it on Audible. Uh, I, I really, really enjoyed it. Highly recommend it, but it is not the movie. No, not even close. The Mothman, let me say, incident here is John Keel going down to West Virginia to study another area of high strangeness where the events do not seem totally tied together. But because of their prevalence and you know high, high amount, the volume that's being generated in one small area in one small time period, that makes you look. So mm-hmm. Keel refers to these as windows or window areas. They also sometimes get called window zones. And there are areas where Keel says the veil is thin and multiple paranormal apparitions can appear. He wrote about these ideas in his 1975 book, The Eighth Tower. Quote, this is a hypothetical spectrum of energies that are known to exist but cannot be accurately measured with present day instruments. And that spectrum he talks about goes on to be labeled the super spectrum. This not here in the tangible realm, but somehow connected. And good Lord, we don't know what that is. We don't know what it is, Pagan. Is it fairy? Is it fairy? Is it, is it, what the heck is happening? It's everything. I, you know, the funny thing is, the more that we look into the super spectrum and uh, to continue with Keel's quote, the super spectrum is the source of all paranormal mas- manifestations. It's extra dimensional 
meaning it is extra dimensional, meaning that it exists outside of our own space time continuum, yet influences everything within our reality. John Keel is considered what John Keel considers what others thought of as different phenomenon all to be one in the same or at least connected. So in that regard, the more that I kind of look into the paranormal and the more that I do the research and the more that I'm looking into everything, I'm starting to kind of buy into his whole super spectrum that everything might be one in the same, that they might, or they might all come from the same kind of, I guess, super spectrum universe. I, I don't know. It, it's so bizarre and, you know, I, I'm one of the pagans that believes in the old gods and all this. So to think that my old gods might be a part of that super spectrum is very hard for me to kind of mentally get past because it's ingrained in my brain that they are supposed to be one way and they invented stuff and created stuff. And now I'm not so sure that that's the case. I think that maybe um, everything is connected everything ties in together and maybe we're just starting to see the glimpses behind the i guess esoteric con- curtain of life and it's just uh, it's so big it's so massive and i i hope i didn't break your brain with y'all that y'all I really hope it didn't. <laughs> I, I will throw it out there that anyone that is a fan of, I mean, if you're if you're already a fan of a lot of the traditional sci-fi shows, specifically the ones that start with Star at the beginning, Stargate, Star Trek, Star Wars, you've already been, you know, uh, been given feelings of this through that lore. So again, if you're a fan of either of those or any of those concepts, those shows, franchises, you're probably in some ways a fan of the idea of high strangeness and these kind of currents that run through because all those shows tackle plots throughout various seasons and iterations where this sort of thing comes to fruition. So Stargate's a great example where they talk about kind of ancient aliens coming to earth and starting the whole pyramid movement, which are just aliens that have way more advanced tech. And what is a a quote that I think is from that show, but is what is a God, but one that is worshiped by those below. And it was an example of, you know, when you come in, when you roll up to someone's planet and they're primitive folk that, you know, are living in caves, they may have stone tools, and you start showing up with these energy weapons that are just nothing more than high science, uh, you look like a god and therefore could very much influence their culture. So a lot of these ideas of this super spectrum do deal with that, that these may be not aliens from other planets, but aliens from other dimensions that are just adjacent to ours a lot of super spectrum thought goes into the idea of time travel as well could some of these events of high strangeness be cases of people actually encountering themselves out of the normal space time so this this sort of thought gets it can be as documented as you want but also no i shouldn't say that let me say it a different way high strangeness you can collect a lot of evidence on but drawing the line between them and trying to see what's connected can be almost impossible. And maybe beyond mm-hmm. our brain, like you said, Megan, maybe we literally don't have the tools to connect some of these dots. I I would 100% agree with that because there's a lot of the high strangeness and it's all connected. I believe I'm subscribing, I guess, more to the it's all connected rather than it's all one singular thing. Mm-hmm. And... To me, it's kind of, I've used this reference a lot because it keeps popping into my brain. 
but I'm sure you all have heard that saying all roads lead to Rome. Mm -hmm. Well, all roads lead to the super spectrum. And it's true because everything seems to, especially in these kind of places, you're seeing, you know, there's something in these triangles. There's something there, whether it's Fae, whether it's the old gods, whether it's UFOs, whether it's cryptids, whether it's whatever, it all seems to be coming through the same door. So they all have to cross paths. And, you know, it kind of makes me wonder if, you know, our Native American spirits are walking through this door and, you know, they're passing Bigfoot. And they're like, Myrna Bigfoot, how are you? You know, yeah. just here the tourists today. I mean, <laughs> it, it's it seems like it's such a plausible thing in these areas. But yet we're seeing a lot of people in these communities that are just like, no, it's only Bigfoot. It's nothing else. It's just Bigfoot. They are mistaken. These are two separate things. But are they? But are, are they, they really? <laughs> well, in our interview with Katie Webb, she hinted at that too, right? She's someone, if you guys mm-hmm. haven't listened to that, you absolutely must. You're listening to it on the podcast feed. She talks about encounters with Bigfoot. Is is he really what other people think he is? I mean, her encounter, uh, she was not looking for this Bigfoot entity at all. In fact, they were just going out in the backyard of her friend's house and... This entity made its way to her, of all people, and exhibited behaviors that are really, really, really indicative of Bigfoot stuff. So, again, we're already assuming you have an open mind to all of this, and that is what high strangeness kind of proposes. The fun thing about studying high strangeness, too, is if you're someone that's going to poo-poo it right away, I would encourage you to dive a little bit deeper because I myself would have poo-pooed this probably a year ago, too, for many of the same reasons. I mean, high strangeness, like I've harped on already— is this thing where you can get, you can agree that there are a lot of weird cases happening to respectable figures, trustworthy people. Um, so much so to the point that if you want to write all these folks off, you have to do more mental gymnastics to discredit all these folks than I do to say, hey, there's something strange in this region that's causing something to happen. But it is hard if you're an evidence driven person. Again, how do you make all those lines? How do you. How do you make things line up when you have people that are seeing a ghost hitchhiker down the street from someone who's seeing Bigfoot down the street from someone who's seeing alien, let's quote unquote, alien lights, strange spirit lights? Mm -hmm. They don't seem connected. But at the same time, if you get open to the ideas of energies and kind of that sort of idea that. I don't know. Things stick together just in general, right? You you click with friends that share your hobbies. And I, I, that kind of seems to be a universal rule that we stick to things that are like us. And it seems like paranormal activity does the same. It kind of culminates in these areas where it's easier to come mm-hmm. through, maybe because the veil is thinner. It's very true. And we are seeing also these interesting things where... There very much might be, you know, you're out in the woods and all this and you look up and you see a bright light and you're like, okay, well, maybe that was a helicopter. Maybe it was something. And you try to rationalize it, but you can't because there's something in your mind that goes, none of those match up exactly. And then you start hearing tree branches breaking and you start hearing these guttural guttural kind of noises coming out of the woods. And you're... It's in the same spot. And you're starting to wonder, huh, 
am I hearing Bigfoot now? What's going on here? And you look just a little bit down the path and you see a spirit walk by. Is it something that is around you per se? Or is it something, the fact that you just happen to step into a specific spot where you get a glimpse into the other side, into what's beyond the veil? And these aliens, these Bigfoot, the, the cryptids, the the spirits, they're not there to come see you per se. They are literally there just living their lives, doing whatever it is they do. And perhaps yeah. we're just seeing the opposite side of it. It's just so, it is very, very deep. It is so a wonderful topic. And, you know, we've kind of danced a little bit around it in the past episodes, but it's one of those things that we're getting into a space now that we can't continue to dance around this topic. We had to bring it up. And this was a place that was perfect to talk about it. Absolutely. And I got to say, if you're someone that like hates, hates these high strangeness things, I don't think you're going to enjoy too much of the podcast because <laughs> this is a guiding principle of mine. Now, again, you know, I have interest in in all these different uh, smaller aspects, too. But I admit my main focus as a paranormal, I guess you could say investigator, researcher, or at least talking head now, uh, I uh, my interest lies in seeing where it's connected. So just mm-hmm. last night, because I knew we were going to do a little bit more on the window area sort of thing, I I did start listening to a, a book by Keels that's mentioned in Hellier, our favorite paranormal show there. Uh, it's called Searching for the String. And this is, I think, one of his earlier works. I think this is before mm-hmm. Mothman Prophecies itself. But basically, Keel goes and talks about some of these things in, in one of his openers, saying a lot of these encounters, these high strangeness encounters, seem to be environmental, yet under intelligent control, which is interesting because of what you said, where things are appearing, they're not necessarily uh, there to show off for us so much as you may just be capturing or, you know, catching a glimpse of them. And that's mm-hmm. that's really big. Hearing the environmental one, that comparison is not new to me either. Um, that one we have heard manifest in different ways from different researchers saying things like the area has such a high quartz deposit, magnetized whatever in the soil that is causing these areas of such high energy that you're actually seeing the energy sometimes blink into existence. Um, I actually was hearing Newkirk say something about that recently, where they said in some of their re- their investigations, some buildings and spots will become so energetically charged because the paranormal mm-hmm. is starting to come out that it'll like actually they'll see lights just pop up in little corners of the room, like blink away. It's like yes. literally manifestations of energy. Mm-hmm. That That's actually a really interesting thing, because you see that across all paranormal TV. And I, I say paranormal TV because... Anybody who televises their investigations or records the, the videos. I would say I am. And this is a very accurate thing of. Anybody who is going across the very, very haunted locations or very paranormally charged locations, they will say, oh, I've seen flashes of light. Oh, this time, you know, a light will just turn on or I'll right. see what looks like a light turn on in a room. But the light in that room doesn't work 
and or the lights suddenly come on really quick and then they completely fade out. It's a very interesting thing. And so the EMF that charges all of this because there's so much spiritual activity in it, I would almost kind of call that like a super highway portal crossway almost. Um, that's really bad terminology hearing it come out of my mouth, but um, kind of this, I guess, a hallway for the paranormal. You know, yeah. everybody is just kind of crossing in the other side and we're just so close to that divide of that dimension or that veil, if you want to call it, that we're getting to see just a tiny glimpse of it. And that energy is coming through that, you know, veil or portal or whatever you want to call it. And it's manifesting on the opposite side here. And we're seeing the lights come through and we're seeing the apparitions come through and we're hearing Bigfoot and we're seeing Bigfoot. And, you know, like Katie said, we are seeing connections into different things that have not always been so cookie cutter. Like Bigfoot, we've always said, oh, he's a cryptid. Right. But in her encounter with Bigfoot, when she left his offering to him, he left a ring of mushrooms as a thank you. That's not something Bigfoot does is a cryptid. That's something a fae does. Right. So... It really begs the question of, have we been mislabeling Bigfoot all these years as a cryptid when he never was a cryptid? Or what if he is a cryptid and he's something else because he falls into both boxes and checks them both? I think think we said the story of the UFO episode. I could be wrong, but I want to say, did we not equate together? And if we haven't, here you go, chat. But there does seem to be some sort of connection. Faye are reported as taking children and stuff like that. Not even just children, but adults, Mm -hmm. too, disappearing them. Well, UFOs are, too. And Faye have these mysterious lights, and UFOs do, too. And they float, and they fly. I I, I don't mean to hammer... I I mean, whatever. I'm just going to keep promoting the new Kirks left, right, and center, because we we love and respect (laughs) their work so much. But I, I was watching a Bigfoot hunt of theirs where they performed the Estes method, which is spirit box into the headphones, uh, uh, you know, totally can't hear what's mm-hmm. going on. You put a, a a blocker over your eyes of some sort, you know, and Dana was doing that. She's sitting there and they're seeing these lights that are near the water. And Greg starts talking to something through her. So I believe like her, what she's picking up from the spirit box, not being able to hear Greg's questions, what she's saying out loud is definitely conversational. And it was trying to lure them into the water, which is a very fey thing to do to lure them away and to Mm -hmm. try to get them to go somewhere where they can't return. And they're like, it's so cold out. We're not going to get in the water. Come on, take a swim. And it was going hard at them. They thought at first they were talking to something like Bigfoot, but that winds up being way more failure. But also UFOs were reported as coming out of that lake. The lights were seen under the water coming out, rising up in the sky. So is that a UFO? Is that fey? Is that Bigfoot? I... Don't know. The interesting thing is there are a lot of rituals that and not not even just rituals, but lore associated with it as well, that state that water is a portal to another world because water is reflective and it works similar to a mirror and it can become a doorway. So that's super interesting 
because it makes me very curious and wonder if they were trying to get them into the water so they could bring them into their world and show them and have them walk through the portal and they were going to guide them in there. But um, there's also lore with Faye that say that you can't just um, guide somebody into a portal. You have to ask them to come with you mm. and you have to invite them to come with you. So it, it kind of goes back to our, our vampire lore that's we're going to go a little fiction here, but I, I don't think that it's very far off to say this either, that a vampire has to be invited into someone's home. Well, Faye have to invite you into theirs. So that's a very curious statement. And so I would wonder very much. Hmm. there's there's so many different things that like are popping in my brain i'm just trying to like grasp onto ideas that are just popping up and it's just so wild to think about the fact that that happened to them and yeah Yeah. we're seeing it you know in areas like this there's the um i'm gonna butcher this so bad and i apologize to those who live in massachusetts Uh oh um Hockamock Swamp? Is that right? Hockamock. That's what I would say. Hockamock? <laughs> yes, Hockamock Swamp. And there is burial grounds there. There's all sorts of stuff. But it actually means the Devil Swamp or the Water of the Dead or something like that. It's mm. very interesting. So they see UFOs there. They see Bigfoot there. They see cryptids there. They see uh, lots of spirits there. And there's so much energy associated with just that one little teeny tiny spot in this triangle. And makes me wonder if the triangle itself is a window area or if it's literally just a glass house that's full of window areas. And Mm. there's so many different little doorways. It's like, here, here's one doorway. Let's go a mile this way. There's another one. A mile that way. There's another one. And so on. So I don't know, y'all. There's so much with this. The interesting thing is, you know, Kyle, you had touched a little bit on the magnetized soil bit. Right. I did search for geological surveys on this. I could not find anything that said magnetized soil specifically. But it was interesting that the Massachusetts government website actually has several articles about emf fields oh okay and what to deal with how to deal with it what to do with it and how it can make you sick and how it can affect your electronics and then i'm like do other states have this too and so i went and looked up you know five or six other states none of them have it only massachusetts wow heavy amount of emf that is weird And it is agreed upon that high electromagnetic fields do weird things with people. Like, that's just a scientific agreement. Actually, I don't know what to, to what degree. I'm pretty sure that's agreed on up and down the ladder. But, I it mean, I, I have always heard, you know, yeah, you need to manage that. In some homes, that's why some people have either either high amounts of paranormal activity. Again, you see that on a lot of ghost okay. shows. Or um, on the flip side, you may not have much paranormal activity. It may on the, just be messing with your brain kind of setting you off thinking you have something when it's not there it can mess with you like you said kind of make you feel sick it can make you feel sick it can i think it can give you like nausea dizziness and go so far as to making you hear voices and all sorts of other stuff it's very strange how emf messes with you psychologically yeah but the other thing too is 
high EMF areas also attract spirit activity. So how much of what's actually happening is the EMF field and how much is it potentially paranormal? So that that's the, the ultimate question is how much of one thing is scientific and how much of it is, I guess, the, the para field. And it, it's it's fascinating. So fascinating. Like you kind of were hinting at, it could be serving as a huge battery um, kind mm-hmm. of sort of thing, attracting spirits in to feed off of it. So yes. culminating that energy. Uh, as we have a little bit left, where's my... Where is my timer? We are at 36 minutes. We have enough time to regale people with some individual cases then. Because I feel like we yes. front-loaded you guys with some good high strangeness. Everyone listening to the podcast can take something really cool away from this. And this is this high strangeness thing is not something we can ever encapsulate in just one episode, by the way. Because it changes. It grows. Every state, every region, every... Every area tends to have its own window of high strangeness. And with that, it's specific things come and specific lore. So it's not going to be the same. And that's why I say if you don't love high strangeness or you're, you're totally unopened to the concept, I would say take more time, investigate it more. Hell, yours a great show to open your mind to it. Um, but we're going to mm-hmm. keep talking about it here because it really governs the way we look at this. It's going to govern how we talk about cryptids and UFOs and Fae and all of that as we continue to go forward. So don't hate us for overusing the word. We, we just are obsessed with the theory. Now, to give people that want something a little bit more concrete, Thunderbirds. This is something we ran into in Maine and we didn't really talk about it. I think I did something up on Patreon, which is still free to everyone on a Thunderbird. But for those mm-hmm. that don't know... Uh, just a general overview. Thunderbirds tend to be in Native American lore, very, very large winged creatures, uh, upwards usually of eight feet. And I've heard some reports go so high for various ones as like twenty to forty feet wingspans on some mm-hmm. of these things. The ones in Alaska are twenty to forty feet. I want to say that was the same for Maine as well, which is interesting because those are both getting towards that colder climate like they're i don't know that just i I, thunderbirds are fascinating and one was reported in this region so a quote here since 1971 several sightings of phenomenally large black birds with wingspans that stretch from 8 to 12 feet have been reported as well the first of these reports originated from bird hill and hockamock swamp in 1984 two of these avian creatures were allegedly seen fighting in midair. So there's a few traditional Wampanoag stories about Thunderbirds that have survived. The creature uh, in these cases for these stories being described as eagles large enough to carry off one of the children. So we are talking big birds and the fact that they're equating it to that makes me wonder if they've had some negative encounters. If the Wampanoag actually had anything happen that would make them equate it to children carry offable. Yikes. (laughs) Yikes. <laughs> we don't want that. So there is a little bit of lack of data when it comes to these these Thunderbirds. Uh, it's no longer clear whether the birds were Thunderbirds in the, the, the mythology for that area or where uh, I'm sorry, or whether they were giant wind birds, as we'll see in some other folklore. So there's there's some distinction there. And we should probably come back and do a whole thing on Thunderbirds once we get it to a couple more of them because there's distinctions in this that I don't even know of. But again, functional mm-hmm. definition, big 
big, I guess, big bird to the point big that it's a cryptid. <laughs> and no one can track them down, really. Yeah, nobody can. And they speculate that it could possibly be... Um, now, this is my lore that I know from uh, Alaska. They speculate that it could be one of two things. It could be a prehistoric bird that has just kept itself hidden up in the Alaska wilds, which is very possible. It could be a condor that never really actually did go out of extinction. Or it is a mythological creature that we have no idea what it actually is, and it's kept itself very well hidden. Ooh. So there's some interesting kind of stuff that happens up in Alaska in regards to Thunderbirds. And I would love to actually do an episode to compare all the different lore associated with the Thunderbirds to see if everybody's Thunderbird legends all match up. That would be interesting. It would be interesting because things like Mothman start to fall under certain Thunderbird umbrellas. Um, The one I was referring to up in Maine was the Pamula, who was a semi-sentient sort of Thunderbird as well. I mean, I should say more than semi-sentient. He was sentient, I think, in, I think in one of the stories, the Pamula. He was, all, he was classified as a god. Yeah, I want to say he had, like, a wife and everything like that, too. I'm mm-hmm. drawing on, like, four-month-old lore here in my my brain. Um, but anyway, it's, it's interesting that Thunderbirds can go from just a simple large bird to something that fig, fills in more of a deity position mm-hmm. so I, I i don't know if that swinging spectrum is also somehow related to these areas of high strangeness either i mean again what is a god but yes someone who's worshipped by people below so i don't know uh, thunderbirds alien deities oh, it's over my I, it's too much I, for my brain guess, you know one of those things that, like i said i'm starting to kind of realize that everything's connected in regards to the old gods native american gods all of the high strangeness creatures yeah. and I, i'm going to call them creatures i'm even lumping ghosts in that as well sure. uh that everybody has kind of i kind of see in it this own visual perspective that everybody works in the same building but they all don't do the same job good comparison so, <laughs> that's kind of where i feel like it is i feel like the gods are at the top tier of that building they're, they're the, your ceos and then everybody just kind of falls down the tiers as you go right but i think they all are I, I think they're all connected in one way or another how i'm still learning that one i'm still figuring it out but i it's breaking my brain a little bit in the best of ways i do agree it, it is one of those things that I don't think one can sit down and expect to understand at all. couple other things. Not this lifetime. <laughs> no, no, uh, not at all. I, you know, as, as we kind of wrap this up, I, I will throw in an extra bit of like hellier kind of fun. You might have seen me throw this out on Twitter. I got the book, The Secret Cipher of the Euphonauts by Alan Greenfield last night. And the first page that I flipped to in that book, not trying at all was the Terry R. Wrist interview that is seen no. in Hellier. I kid you not, I had not opened to anything else. As far as I know, that is the one place in the book that actually talks about 
uh, that interview. And that was one of those weird, like, divination-y kind of moments if you're if you are out there, someone that does believe in this like I do. But, like, I didn't it, – it's, like, a three- or four-page long interview as well. And it hit on the first mm-hmm. page. Like, not, like, midway through. Like, it wasn't at the end. Like, I literally opened to the title page of that interview. And I was like, this is strange because I bought this book for one thing. And it was this interview. And then the same night, Pagan, talking more towards synchronicities, which we'll talk more towards in the future – Keel actually mentions Greenfield in the book I was referencing earlier. So oh, wow. I actually didn't know those two knew each other. I had so, no clue. They, it's interesting that you talk about what you did, but, you know, and kind of divine inspiration of sorts in, in a way. Um, just opening a book and letting it fall open to wherever it falls open is actually a form of divination that's called uh, bibliomancy. Yeah, and I think that's right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you you did some bibliomancy to Terry Rist, of all things. Which is that's freaking creepy. What if Terry Rist tries to get in touch with me? I'm that not would be ready. Cool. I mean, God's sakes, Billy's been trying to get in touch with me, and I've never even met the statue. Ah, <laughs> uh, 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 for those that don't know, join us on stream on Wednesday, <laughs> noon Eastern time, 9 a.m. Pacific, because we will be watching, uh, yeah, by the time you're listening to this episode, we'll be watching episode two of Hell You're on Stream. Yes. It is up on YouTube. And we encourage you to check it out. You can also download uh, both seasons from their website directly. It's also on Amazon Prime. So if you guys have not, we're, we're doing a watching party for that. We love the new Kirks. We love Katie Webb. They're all tied into this crazy realm of high strangeness. And we just a huge thank you to all the folks out there that have been so welcoming of us coming into it. Uh, huge shout out to our friend Brian, who's hanging out with us in chat, ghostquest.net. Mm-hmm. If you guys need a a library, a database of a bunch of haunted activity across the United States, look no further because he's doing a great job maintaining the site. He's going to be joining us on the Monday show. So again, mm-hmm. Mondays, noon Eastern, come by for this talk show. It'll be Monday through Friday, noon to three Eastern time. We'll be doing all this stuff again on Thursdays. Peg and I are recording this podcast live on those. We're going to be doing a pre-show and a post show. So as we go to close up this episode, just no Twitch chat. We're going to be hanging with you for a little bit longer, maybe doing some tarot, some fun like that. So everyone's welcome to come by and hang out. I'd like to Mm -hmm. thank everyone for joining us for this episode of just a general overview of high strangeness. As I start with saying, I'd love Pagan to do more on the Bridgewater Triangle in the future. Like, I'd love us to come back and just do some in-depth and, like, talk about actually the ghosts here. We looked at this and from afar said there's nothing to talk. Like, this isn't this is going to be a one episode thing. And then we go, how could this be a one episode thing? There's just so freaking much. I think the only way to do it is say... Bridgewater, you get a round two in the future. You get a round two. And, it, you know, Kyle and I had actually kind of hinted at maybe doing a whole segment on all the triangles yeah. and see how they're interconnected. And maybe they're, maybe they're doorways to each other. That That's an interesting thought. And I'm going to leave you guys with that thought Ooh. on that. And we're going to go into our outro. <laughs> I'm already there. I'm already there. <laughs> Uh, actually, yeah, we teased pretty much everything we have for you guys this week. I would mm-hmm. say, again, um, for people that are watching this episode live, tomorrow, uh, Friday the 9th, we have the Candle Magic Workshop. So come by for that. 
Uh, Pagan has the Ritualist Letter up on Patreon. I should also say that this Saturday will be a new bonus episode going up on Patreon. That is for everyone that is at the $5 or above level. So if you guys have not already pledged, it is a perfect time to get tons of content in your life for just the price of a cup of coffee. You could for $5, you get the bonus episode and... Uh, we're looking at tossing up some of these these uh, these workshops that we're doing to Patreon to make it nice and easy for them to find it. So that might be going up there, probably again just under the five dollar tier, just so you guys have a nice spot to go back and, and rewatch it anytime you want. But there's so much happening. Go check out that weekly recap letter. That is so full of stuff. Pagan, anything else you really want to shout out to the folks? I don't think so. I think that definitely covers everything. Um, head over to our Patreon, check that out. Um, if you have a paranormal story that you would like mm-hmm. us to hear about, you can go to chaosandshadow.com and submit that story to us. We'd love to hear your stories, all your paranormal stories, all your high strangeness stories. Yeah. We want to hear them all. Uh, so submit those um, and definitely also check out some of the articles that have been going up. Uh, we've got the Koyobachi one that's on Patreon and the Wendigo's one from last month is now free and you can check that out as well. Yeah. So yeah, literally, if you don't even have a dime to your name right now, you can still get lots of free content up on Patreon just by following it. If you just create yourself a Patreon account, slap the follow button, you're going to get a lot because Pagan does on Mondays when the episodes go live, she does the show notes for it as well. So they go live up on Patreon. They are packed full of stuff, photos, links, all the things we use for our searches that week. Uh, you can check that out. What else? What else goes up for free? Because we do more free stuff. We got that one. I guess we should say uh, some of the articles do go free after a month, like you just pointed out. Yeah, they do. Um, basically, Patreon gets those all month long. And then when the next one gets ready to come out, that's when the last month's one goes free. All the show notes are free. All the Tarot Tuesdays are free. Yes, that's it. And... I think that covers it. Hallelujah. <laughs> I I with, honestly, without going and looking, y'all, I think that covers it. <laughs> we had to make <laughs> I, so much work. I joke that we made, I had to make that like weekly recap for myself because I'm like, I don't even know what came out all this week. I just know there's tons of paranormal content. So thank you to everyone that's continuing to support us. It means the world to us. Um, I really, really, really can't thank you guys enough for all that loving. Um, To Twitch chat, like I said, hang tight. We're going to be back with you in just a minute. To everyone that's listening at home, we thank you a ton. We will catch you back here next week. If you haven't done so, go listen to Katie Webb's interview because that is a heck of a fun time. And next (laughs) week, we get into Salem proper. So get your spooky on and get ready for those workshops this month. Come by, hang out on the talk show. Give us your fun. Give us your spooky. Just hang out and listen. Either way, we love it. Thank you again. And we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody.